0: chapter sixty of marguerite de valois by alexander dumas this librivox recording is in the public domain recording by john van stan savannah georgia chapter sixty the place saint jean en greve it was seven o'clock in the morning and a noisy crowd was waiting in the squares the streets and on the quays at six o'clock a tumbrel the same in which after their duel the two friends had been conveyed half dead to the louvre had started from Vincennes and slowly crossed the Rue Saint-Antoine. Along its route, the spectators so huddled together that they crushed one another, seemed like statues with fixed eyes and open mouths. This day there was to be a heart-rending spectacle offered by the Queen Mother to the people of Paris. On some straw in the tumbrel, we have mentioned, which was making its way through the streets, were two young men, bareheaded and entirely clothed in black, leaning against each other. Coconinat supported on his knees La Mole, whose head hung over the sides of the tumbrel and whose eyes wandered vaguely here and there the crowd eager to see even the bottom of the vehicle crowded forward lifted itself up stood on tiptoe mounted on posts clung to the angles of the walls and appeared satisfied only when it had succeeded in seeing every detail of the two bodies which were going from the torture to death it had been rumored that la mole was dying without having confessed one of the charges imputed to him while on the contrary Coconnas, it was asserted, could not endure the torture and had revealed everything. So there were cries on all sides. See the red-haired one. It was he who confessed. It was he who told everything. He is a coward and is the cause of the other's death. The other is a brave fellow and confessed nothing. The two young men heard perfectly. The one the praises the other the reproaches which accompanied their funeral march, And while La Mole pressed the hands of his friend, a sublime expression of scorn lighted up the face of the Piedmontese, who from the foul tumbrel gazed upon a stupid mob as if he were looking down from a triumphal car. Misfortune had done its heavenly work and had ennobled the face of Coconnas as death was about to render divine his soul. "'Are we nearly there?' asked La Mole. "'I can stand no more, my friend. I feel as if I were going to faint.' wait wait la mole we are passing by the rue Tison and the rue cloche Perse. look look oh raise me raise me that i may once more gaze on that happy abode coconnas raised his hand and touched the shoulder of the executioner who sat at the front of the tumbrel driving maitre said he do us the kindness to stop a moment opposite the rue Tison." gaboche nodded in assent and drew the rein at the place indicated Aided by Coconat, La Mole raised himself with an effort, and with eyes blinded by tears, gazed at the small house, silent and mute, deserted as a tomb. A groan burst from him, and a low voice murmured, Adieu! Adieu! Youth! Love! Life! And his head fell forward on his breast. Courage, said Coconat. We may perhaps find all this above. Do you think so? murmured La Mole. I think so, because the priest said so, and above all, because I hope so. But do not faint, my friend, or these staring wretches will laugh at us. Caboche heard the last words, and whipping his horse with one hand, he extended the other unseen by anyone to coconnas. It contained a small sponge, saturated with a powerful stimulant, and La Mole, after smelling it and rubbing his forehead with it, felt himself revived and reanimated. Ah! said la mole i am better and he kissed the reliquary which he wore around his neck as they turned a corner of the quay and reached the small edifice built by henry the second they saw the scaffold rising bare and bloody on its platform above the heads of the crowd dear friend said la mole i wish i might be the first to die coconnas again touched the hangman's shoulder what is it my gentleman?" said the latter turning around My good fellow, said Coconnas, you will do what you can for me, will you not? You said you would. Yes, and I repeat it. My friend has suffered more than I and consequently has less strength. Well? Well, he says that it would cause him too much pain to see me die first. Besides, if I were to die before him, he would have no one to support him on the scaffold. Very well, said Caboche, wiping away a tear with the back of his hand. Be easy. It shall be as you wish. And with one blow, eh? said the Piedmontese in a low tone. With one blow. That is well. If you have to make up for it, make up on me. The tumbril stopped. They had arrived. Coconaut put on his hat. A murmur like that of the waves at sea reached the ears of La Mole. He strove to rise, but strength failed him. Cabache and Coconaut supported him under the arms. The place was paved with heads. The steps of the Hotel de Ville seemed an amphitheater peopled with spectators. Each window was filled with animated faces, the eyes of which seemed on fire. When they saw the handsome young man no longer able to support himself on his bruised legs, make a last effort to reach the scaffold, a great shout rose like a cry of universal desolation, Men groaned, and women uttered plaintive shrieks. "'He was one of the greatest courtiers,' said the man, "'and he should not have to die at St. Jean-en-Greve, "'but at the Pre-au-Clerc.' "'How handsome he is! How pale!' said the women. "'He is the one who would not confess.' "'Dearest friend,' said La Mole, "'I cannot stand. Carry me.' "'Wait,' said Coconnas he signed to the executioner, who stepped aside, then stooping. He lifted La Mole in his arms as if he were a child, and without faltering carried his burden up the steps of the scaffold, where he put him down amid the frantic shouting and applause of the multitude. Coconnas raised his hat and bowed. Then he threw the hat on the scaffold beside him. Look round, said La Mole. Do you not see them somewhere? Coconnas slowly glanced around the place, and Having reached a certain point without removing his eyes from it, he laid his hand on his friend's shoulder. Look, said he, look at the window of that small tower. With his other hand he pointed out to La Mole the little building which still stands at the corner of the Rue de la vannerie and the Rue Mouton, a reminder of past ages. Somewhat back from the window, two women dressed in black were leaning against each other. Ah, said La Mole, I feared only one thing, and that was to die without seeing her again. I have seen her. Now I can go. And with his eyes riveted on the small window, he raised the reliquary to his lips and covered it with kisses. Cogonat saluted the two women with as much grace as if he were in a drawing-room. In response to this, they waved their handkerchiefs, bathed in tears. Cabache now touched Cogonat on the shoulder and looked at him significantly. yes yes said the piedmontese then turning to la mole embrace me said he and die like a man this will not be hard for you my friend you are so brave ah said la mole there will be no merit in my dying bravely suffering as i do the priest approached and held the crucifix before la mole who smiled and pointed to the reliquary in his hand never mind said the priest Ask strength from him who suffered what you are about to suffer." La Mole kissed the feet of the Christ. Commend me to the prayers of the nuns of the Avens Saint-Vierge. Make haste, La Mole, said Coconnas. You cause me such suffering that I feel myself growing weak. I am ready, said La Mole. Can you keep your head steady, inquired Caboche, holding his sword behind La Mole, who was on his knees. I hope so, said the latter then all will go well but said la mole you will not forget what i asked of you this reliquary will open the doors to you be easy now try to keep your head straight la mole raised his head and turning his eyes towards the little tower adieu marguerite said he bless he never finished with one blow of his sword as swift as a stroke of lightning Caboche severed the head which rolled to the feet of Coconnas. The body fell back gently, as if going to rest. A great cry rose from thousands of voices, and among them it seemed to Coconnas that he heard a shriek more piercing than all the rest. "'Thank you, my good friend,' said Coconnas, and a third time he extended his hand to the hangman. "'My son,' said the priest, "'have you nothing to confess to God?' "'Faith, no.' faith no father said the piedmontese all that i had to say i said to you yesterday then turning to gabache now executioner my last friend one more favor before kneeling down he turned on the crowd a glance so calm and serene that a murmur of admiration rose which soothed his ear and flattered his pride then raising the head of his friend and pressing a kiss on the purple lips He gave a last look toward the little tower, and kneeling down, still holding the well-loved head in his hands, he said, Now! Scarcely had he uttered the word before Caboche had cut off his head. This done, the poor hangman began to tremble. It was time it was over, said he. Poor fellow! And with difficulty he drew from the clinched fingers of La Mole the reliquary of gold, then he threw his cloak over the sad remains which the tumbrel was to convey to his own abode the spectacle was over the crowd dispersed end of chapter sixty recording by john van stan savannah georgia